And he said, but taking someone's heart of stone to a heart of flesh is a supernatural act. You are waking the dead. You are making them a new creation. You are making them alive in Christ Jesus. That is a bigger miracle than resurrecting to natural life a deceased corpse. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Every Knee Shall Bow, your weekly Catholic podcast on evangelization. My name, as always, is Michael Gormley, joined by my friend and homeboy, Dave Van Vickel. All right, that was it. That's a, that's a cop-out. This is because you spent the weekend hanging out with Luke in Alaska. I know, man. It's not every day to be a follower of Jesus Christ. They invite you to the most beautiful place on the face of the earth, Alaska. And I have just been working and working and working. I got a letter to a suffering church from Bishop Barron, read and outlined. I have, um, what else was I working? I was going through the Malines documents on the Catholic Charismatic Renewal. Yes, which, I'm proud of you. Yes, those documents are a must read. Everyone, if you in any way, shape, or form, if you love it or hate the Charismatic Renewal, you owe it to yourself to type in Malines documents, M-A-L-I-N-E-S, and just read whichever ones jump out at you. They are incredible. And really solid theology, the the relationship between nature and grace, um, just things like that that I think most people don't understand that relationship. They're so powerful. Yeah, do you know, I, this has been a common theme this year, that dogmatic theology grounds everything. You know what I mean? Everything. Everything. Yeah. It just grounds everything. You 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 really can't like get off into the fringes if you've got dogmatic theology down. And I think that's what comes forward in the Malines, the Malines documents is that Sunins was a master of, of dogmatic theology and and he he ju- it's just he sees the renewal as a natural extension just uh, as a as a current of grace in the history yeah. of the church as opposed to something that it, it's not, you know, and I, I love it. Yeah, and um, one of the other things that I'm realizing in my own life and my own walk and kind of like trying to understand what it means to be a Catholic evangelist is that I, um, so kind of side note to this, uh, I'm starting to get parishes who maybe have read Sherry Waddell's book, Forming Intentional Disciples, have done something like um, Discover Christ series or an Alpha or... Um, you know, an introduction to Christianity type thing. And they're saying like, how do we as a parish do this thing? And so I'm starting to travel and uh, give talks. I I got one coming up in uh, Glen Carbon, Illinois. Um, And I'm super excited because this is now like a full parish staff and clergy and volunteers. And they're saying like, okay, how do we evangelize as a parish? How do we address... You know, like the two main pillars of a lot of Catholic thought today institutionally is discipleship and stewardship. Right. And uh, the bishop of their diocese, Springfield, Illinois, um, is really pushing for this vision of discipleship and stewardship. And I was like, this is where evangelization comes in. This is this is right at that. This is ground zero right for all of that. Yeah, I think that, you know. There is, there's a lot of exciting things happening in the church, and if we can just cooperate with like the way the Holy Spirit's moving and not get ahead of the Holy Spirit, oh, yeah. we're gonna be we're, we're gonna be okay. Okay, so let me let me throw this out at you. Okay, all right, all right. This is to me one of the most painful things I've heard in a long time in terms of conviction. So, have you read the book The Soul of the Apostolate? Yeah, of course. Okay, of course, everyone should read it. I love that. How book. How dare you? How dare you? I was that was more for our listeners. Uh, yeah, right. So, <laughs> within the Soul of the Apostolate, at the very beginning, he talks about like 
you as an apostle of Christ must first be a disciple of Christ. You have to be someone who is at, in intimacy with our Lord. Right. And then from that place of intimacy, all of your activity flows. Yep. So a contemplative before you're an active. And he said, the more activity and the more important you are and the bigger the impact you have, the more contemplation you need to do. Right? right so you right. agree with that. Right. Oh, yeah. Totally. That'd be funny if you're like, nope. Um, <laughs> I, I leave work at work. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, but the tendency when you work in a parish or a diocese is to be about the work. Right. And to get the, whether it's the bottom line or numbers right. or whatever. Right. right. And you can get so busy that you forget that it's the Holy, that what we are doing is a supernatural thing. Right. Okay. So that's kind of like the underpinning of the argument. It's a super conversion is a supernatural reality. And if we don't lead with prayer, which is why you and I always have things like your own prayer life and intercessory prayer before we ever talk about giving a talk. Right. They said that if you don't lead with the spirit, you're never going to get the supernatural results. So this is what I heard the other day from one of my favorite Protestant preachers, Francis Chan. Okay. He said, what if you heard God tell you that your task for him, your service, your apostolate, is to go to a local cemetery and raise one dead person from the grave. And then, so I was like, okay, well, that's a weird thing. And he goes, no, you don't have to raise everyone. This isn't a mass demonstration. You're just doing one okay. person. Okay. And then he asked this question. He said, who would you bring along with you to raise the dead? Would you bring a really amazing worship band, uh-huh. a charismatic preacher, uh-huh. right? And he starts going yeah. through the things that make like, conferences yeah, and retreats right, and right, weekends right, right. and he goes would you bring these people he said because he said the reason why i'm saying that is you and i both know that if god told you to raise the dead you're going to go to the person who prays the most who is the most intimate with our lord who sacrifices the most for christ who carves out all the space they possibly can just to make room for jesus in their daily life he said you're taking that person to go and raise the dead right and he said but taking someone's heart of stone to a heart of flesh is a supernatural act. You are waking the dead. You are making them a new creation. You are making them alive in Christ Jesus. That is a bigger miracle than resurrecting to natural life a deceased corpse. And what do you bring? You bring an amazing band, a lighting guy, a fog machine. You know, and he goes through the list, and I was like, uh. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I love it, man. I'm I'm all about that. I, I think that that's... Honestly, I'm to the point where, like, the f- I think the flash is almost becoming it's becoming a distraction, yeah. you know. And like, I keep saying this, you know, that there's like there's a guy at our parish who I I just immediate like when you meet this guy, you just immediately respect him because he's just very reasoned and principled and nuanced, and and he's just like his name's uh, his name's Tim. And he's a lawyer, okay, and he's involved high up in like parish evangelism or organization. Yeah. And he like one day we were talking about because you know I think he kind of got a little bit of the rebuilt vibe, right? Yeah. And uh, and I was saying like, yeah, you know I I have no issues like with greeters at the door. I just you know you just have to remember you know at the height of of the curie of ours is you know popularity or or of his ministry of his apostolate. Uh, you know, it was a month long line for him to to hear your confession, and there were no donut Sundays, there were no readers at the door. There were, yeah. and he, you know, gets real upset because he's like, "Come on, it's both and." And of course, it's both and. But it seems to me, and you, and you, you tell me if I'm wrong. It seems to me that when I consult with parishes, when I do parish missions and things like that. 
that parishes usually focus on one or the other. Uh, absolutely, to the absolute exclusion. Okay, okay, so you've seen that too. Okay, that's that's good. I mean, it seems like one clouds the other usually. Right, so I, for instance, I was doing a training at a church. Um, they brought two or three parish staffs together, and I was doing this training. And the central uh, message of my opening talk, I do this fairly often, where they're like, we want to know this, 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 and this. We want you to talk. You know, you have five hours or four hours to do this. Um, and then what I do is, okay, I'll do that, but I will first proclaim the gospel to everyone there because I don't presume just because you work for the church, you're a follower of Christ. Right. You have a That's vital right. personal attachment to Jesus Christ. So I preach the gospel. Now, I might do it through the lens of you know, the things that they set up. You want to do hospitality training. Okay, well, I'll talk about Christ who, though he was rich, became poor. So for our sake, we might become rich. Um, so, or, you know, like weaving together whatever themes you give me. But the, so this one day I was talking on prayer. I wanted to do a, a morning of prayer just for this group. And I, and I said what I always say, if you aren't praying, you need to quit your job. Uh, the best time to plant an oak tree is 25 years ago. Second best time is today. Right. If you don't have a prayer life, 25 years of praying to our Lord, then start today. If in two or three weeks from now you find that today hasn't started anything, um, then you need to quit. You, that's a sign that you are not in the right place. Right. So then I gave him 35 minutes to go off and pray, and the deacon walks up to me and says, um, hey, will you do me a favor? And I said, yeah, sure, what do you need? And he said, "Oh boy, you need to teach us how to pray. So he made the comment that uh, I have said many times before and then now uh, all the time. Um, as Catholics, we were never really taught how to pray, only how to repeat. And this guy's like, I, he said to me, I know how to do the liturgy. Right. I know how to pray the liturgy of the hours. And I'm like, all well and good. He said, but I don't know how to pray outside of that. The, the, you know, the, the, I, I'd say that like the thing is, is that it's very hard to make those decisions to choose the person who's going to be the prayer over the organized person because there's a lot at stake there. But the truth is, is that I wish I could just put on like my resume, like, like you're getting the fruit of, of me promising to live a life of radical discipleship. Like, because that's really the only success I've had in my job is because of God, not me. You know what I mean? And, and it's just like, if people could see that, I think, I think we'd realize like, you know, I like, for instance, I, I brought this up the other night. I was giving a talk and, you know, at the last parish I was at, I was there for not almost nine years and it took us six years to start Eucharistic Adoration. And even though it took that long to build up enough disciples to staff it, I think I would have just started day one trying to beat the bushes and getting people because the spiritual benefits were, were so unbelievable when we started Eucharistic Adoration, as opposed to all the programs we ran and all the processes we we, we got good at, you know? Wow. And I, I, it's just gold that is being ignored. And one of the things you see, he says, so what if what if you go to pray in the graveyard and or you go to, you know, do your miracle and you're not approaching it like it's a miracle, right? Like you're about, the, so just like we go and approach evangelization as if evangelization was a series of steps I do oh, that then okay. automatically people respond to, right? This is this is the Pelagian heresy at root. It's a mindset right, that's not right. explicit, but it's implicit. If I do these things, this is why books like, I mean, God bless them, but books like Rebuild, 
I do not like because it's trying to take an absolute, f- like it's trying to take a formula right. and saying, if you do these things, then disciples will show up. Then people will be discipled. And it's like, yeah, but what about the miracle of the sovereignty of God and the and the the respect the sovereignty of God pays to man and woman's yeah, individual right. freedom? Like, it's like, no, 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 I'm pulling levers right now. As someone was expressing that at a Sumville Youth Conference, like, you know, these kids, they're really hesitating. They're not at the place where they should be. And I was like, who are you to tell the Holy Spirit where a person should be? Like, right. this is yeah. part of our job, like a faithful witness who yearns for freedom, even when freedom doesn't come in people's lives. So Francis Chan makes this point where he says, uh, and I thought it was hilarious and it was supposed to be funny, but he said, you know, what what do we do when we're in leadership positions and we're not praying for miracles? We're working to make these things happen. He says, have you ever seen the movie Weekend at Bernie's? <laughs> oh, yeah. Have you ever seen that movie? Do you know that man, movie? He, right? man, man, he is so good. Francis Chan is amazing. Yeah. He said, that's what it reminds me of. Yeah. He's like, don't watch that movie. I'm sure there's terrible things in it. He said, but. In the movie, they take a dead guy and they need to pretend that he's alive. So it's a comedy of them, you know, aping his arms and you know oh putting sunglasses gosh. over his yeah. face and all this stuff. Yeah, it's a great analogy. It is. It's a great analogy. Yeah, and he's and he said, and that's that explains our churches. And you know, I'm I don't want this to sound critical because I have been that guy. Yeah, I have been that guy. There's no question. You know, well, what do you think is the tendency to make you that guy? Uh, I think that, well, for one thing, I think that people are looking for results that you can't see. Yep. yep. You know, I think yep. people are looking for fruit and the truth is you just, you can't see the, a lot of times you can't see the fruit. It's anecdotal at best. Like, you know, you're not going to, you're not just not, I mean, besides things like confession lines, adoration, stuff like that, but there are other ways to boon that up, you know? So, um, but that is, that is a good, I mean, that is such a good analogy. By the way, I would. I would totally bring the awesome worship band with me. Yeah. To the oh yeah to the cemetery. It wouldn't have why? Cause it would just be awesome if like every time you went to have like your personal prayer time that you just had like this awesome worship band behind you, <laughs> like Bob Rice. <laughs> like if you just like went up went for your morning prayer and he was like in your living room like playing this music. So. But so I start to think yeah. about what are the tendencies within an evangelist heart that make them not rely on God but instead rely on their own works. Right, and th- that's the heart of the message of the soul of the apostle. I almost said that's the soul of the soul of the apostle, <laughs> but right, like the message is the activist heresy who says, "God, if you don't put up any obstacles, stay out of my way and watch what I can do for you." Yeah. Oh, I was that. I was that guy for sure. Yeah, me too. That's why I hated that book. Yeah. I my yeah. thing was fear of like you do a um, you do a weekend retreat with high school students, you know you can get an emotional reaction because high schoolers have no idea how to control their emotions. Right. So if you have adoration and you pray tear-jerking songs and it's all emotionalism with a thin candy gospel shell, they will go home and they will tell their parents, I had an amazing experience on the retreat. Then those parents will find me and they'll find my pastor and they will say, Right. That was in a, my kid loved it. Thank you so much. And I just got job security. So then the tendency is, do I want to preach real conversion? Do I want to pray? Do, does my heart long for conversion or am I spending more time on making sure the lighting, the sound, the AV stuff, you know, the, the, the band, all of that right. coincide with hitting these uh, Pelagian levers that we're pulling. That's my fear. Do you, do you know what made me realize I was doing this? Yeah, well, I'll tell you. I'll tell you. Okay, okay, so 
I realized that the way I and, – and remember, I only took over youth ministry at my parish for like two years because – only because my pastor and I could not agree on who to hire for for youth ministers. So for two <laughs> years, I, I did it. And and nice. what I realized – this is when I realized that I was doing something wrong in church work. I would I would completely, totally differently prepare, speak to, and engage the youth at a youth night than when if one of them or one of their parents came to me and said – you know, I or or my son is, is addicted to pornography. Can you help him? And what I realized was that when they were addicted to pornography or something like that, that I was all of a sudden giving them the real gospel. And it was just me and him. And I was sitting down and talking about real change in their life and real and I was preaching things that they did not like, right? And that maybe were uncomfortable, but were but were necessary. And then when it came to the life nights or the youth nights, whatever you want to call them, right? I was like giving, like you just said, the you know the candy. Okay, so then how shell. do you balance giving the candy coated gospel shell with like is that candy coating really a fake version or is it the first necessary step to a hardened heart? Oh, I I think it's the first necessary step, but I just think that it's also the easiest step, and so most places don't go deep. Ooh, they never go. To step two, they stay at that surface level. Yeah, yeah. You remember, remember the really scary part of Soul of the Apostle is when he's talking about the levels. That if the the pastor is a saint, then the people will be, oh yeah, fervent. If the pastor is fervent, then the people will be, I don't know, I don't remember the words like faithful. If the pastor is faithful, the people will be yeah. tepid or something like that, right? Like you, you can only give what you have, you know. And so, I think it's really difficult to get to the next step because most of us aren't yeah. there. And one of the big things is, you know, from the book of Hosea, God says, uh, you know, he's describing all the horribleness of the people of Israel. And he says, let no one contend, let no one excuse. My contention is with you, O priest. And then he yeah. lists all these horrible things that priests and prophets are doing. And then he says, like priest, like people. Yep. Yep. And it's a powerful saying. But um, in the secular world, in the business world, they call it the law of the lid. Like you are, if you're the leader, whether you're a volunteer or a pastor or a church worker, uh, or you're just like the go-to friend that your fr you know friends come over and maybe you do a Bible study or watch Radical Communities, buy my book. Um, you do some of that stuff. The idea of it is the leader is the lid as to how high in a group or organization will go. Right, and so you your lack of enthusiasm or lack of conviction becomes the lid, but then the tendency then can be well if I fake it, then right. other people right. can right. make it, right? <laughs> right? And, and again, then we're leading from lies. Doesn't work. Yeah, it doesn't work. I, I'm always impressed with the leader who's willing to say, "I didn't know," but let's find out together. You know, like I I wasn't there where I was supposed to be, so let's let's go there together. Yeah. You know, that they're not going to lie about it, you know. When I had my conversion so. in high school, that was very intense. I was a good Catholic, but then I became an intense Catholic, um, an intentional disciple. I began reading theology and philosophy and listening to, like, Scott Hahn and Tim Staples and and um, Patrick Madrid and all of the apologists, right? I yeah. began consuming them like crazy, and I wasn't praying. Yeah, right. And when I became a youth minister, and I would have these teens who were like, okay, like, Life nights are fine, but I want to go much deeper than that. Then my, you know, and we would come and they would talk about their prayer life and all this stuff. And my whole thing was I only, I forbid them to do 
intellectual reading. Oh. And I required them that they were only allowed to ground their read books that grounded their spiritual life. So they all, man or woman, started with um, Story of a Soul. Okay. And to this day, the the kids that I quote unquote directed, I wasn't really their spiritual director, but uh, that I life coached, um, <laughs> they um, they to this day, number one, that is one of their favorite books. And it wasn't ever one of my books. It, I just knew it was very accessible. It's one of their favorite books, and they buy multiple copies and pass them out huh. to people. And they are, of course, the most faithful teenagers. That's awesome. that I ever had. I mean, that's a good. That that's a great like little glory story. Well, and so, that, that's the idea of why she's the patroness of missions right. because she prays for missions. Um, what was the line in Soul of the Apostolate? Someone saying like they're going to go to uh, China, and the bishop writes back yeah, and says, "Give me right. twenty Carmelites. Uh, I can do more for the kingdom of God with twenty Carmelites than with a hundred missionaries." That's right. That's right. I love right, that. and you start to see this, and yet we do. We lead from the exact opposite. I do it every all the time when I'm like, yep. "All right, got to get these ministries in place. Got to do this. Got to do that." And it's like, "What if I didn't do that?" <laughs> what, right. What? So, so looking back at all of this. I want to raise the dead, David. Yeah, me too. I want to raise the dead. You do exorcism ministry. No, 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 no. no. I don't no, do no. exorcism ministry. You are an exorcist. I, no, stop saying <laughs> stuff like that. No, no. No, I, I have assisted priests in that ministry. Yes. Yeah. Right. Right, right, right. <laughs> so when you're leading an exorcism by saying all stop the prayers and wearing that. the stole. <laughs> oh. I'm just kidding. So when you're in the room. Yeah. You see the confrontation right. between good and right. evil. For many Catholics, they don't know what that's like. Right. They, you know, it's nothing but distortions. You see the miracle. It's a it's a blessing. You see yeah. souls it's... literally in the most extreme way delivered from the right. powers right. of darkness. But but me and you, we're on a podcast. We're not talking about exorcism. We're on a podcast about setting souls free from self-damnation by rejecting faith and embracing sin. Yeah. And yet we don't have the same. Like, I almost feel like we should have an exorcist on staff praying before the <laughs> Blessed Sacrament like for whenever us. we give yeah. a talk. Yeah, I mean, it's it's honestly, it's it's amazing because the the priests who have done this for many years, you would like, you would classify them as weird. But the reason you classify them as weird is because they do see the world in black and white. I mean, they, they are almost incapable now of seeing the world in gray. So... Everything is about the battle between good and evil. And, I, and I'm not saying it's 100% healthy, but it's certainly a, a, a lot healthier than we are right now where we we live our life in the gray and then part of our life is the light or the dark, you know? Yeah. And I think that that's like – that's the truth is that that's the blessing of that ministry is that you see it, it enacted in a physical way, you know, in a very real and, and, and like just gut-wrenching way the, the – what Christ wants to do in everyone's life, but it's even, but, but then you realize, wait a minute, this, it's even more profound, right? It's even more profound in just evangelization in someone overcoming an addiction to pornography and someone coming to know Jesus Christ and someone overcoming just an addiction to self, right? Just listening to themselves, you know, all the time. Like it's even more profound in those battles because that is that's the battle for eternity. That's the battle for history, you know. Yeah, and the beautiful thing that C.S. Lewis talks about is when you're in heaven, you look back in your life, you see, oh, the the earth was just a colony of heaven the whole time. I didn't know that. Oh. And if you're in hell, you look back at your life and you see it was all hell to begin with, you know, like oh. you 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 see your choices yeah. 
as choosing your own damnation or salvation. It, it's so fascinating to see the cooperation between grace and nature, between an individual who's encountered the grace of Christ yeah. and said yes, and you get to participate in that miracle. Right. What was the line from St. Augustine? Uh, that the creation of the world is a lesser a lesser act of God than the salvation of a single soul. I don't, I don't soul remember. Will endure Jeez. While creation itself Jeez. will be destroyed, I think. Yeah. So we get so the reason why I want to draw everyone's this if I had to give a title for this episode, it's waking the dead, right? That is the task of an evangelist, and you cannot do it without being filled with the grace of the inpouring of the Holy Spirit. Like you need to not give away all the grace to other people. You need to not let the jobby job rob you of your falling on your knees, both for yourself and for your people. What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world but loses his own soul? So when we come back, we are going to go through our five daily things that we do for the spiritual combat that is the miracle of evangelization. Uh, email us, please, 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 at every knee shall bow at Ascension Press. Every knee shall bow or EKSB at ascensionpress.com. We're getting a lot of emails from people who have started implementing yeah, these they're five, so awesome. five takeaways. And they are awesome. One guy just said, I manage maybe two or three yeah. a week. <laughs> and I'm like, that's way more than you otherwise would have been doing, maybe. So that's just a victory, right? And so um, so please give us feedback. Give us feedback. People, this stuff, I am meeting new people every time I travel for whether it's at Sumville Youth Conferences or for my other podcasts or just for parish missions and retreats. I am meeting people all the time who say that they are getting their pastors to listen, they are getting their DREs and their secretaries and all these people to listen. That is awesome. That's how we're going to make a culture of evangelization. So in a minute, we're going to come back here with our five practical takeaways. And again, uh, those are going to be things that, that daily affect us in being able to accomplish our apostolate. Now hear from the good people at Ascension Press. Do you find it difficult to enter into the mysteries of the rosary? What about personally applying them to your life? Drawing from the writings of the saints, the Bible, and Catholic tradition, Matt Fratt has produced Pocket Guide to the Rosary, a masterful work that teaches Catholics how to truly meditate on the mysteries of the rosary, how to pray the rosary like the saints, and so much more. If you're looking to deepen your prayer life and improve the way you pray what St. Padre Pio called the weapon of our times, we invite you to check out Pocket Guide to the Rosary by Matt Frad. To order, visit ascensionpress.com or Amazon. Okay, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Every Knee Shall Bow. This is going to be exciting. Take five, absolutely practical. We're throwing out what we had written down in order to give you these daily spiritual realities of how we carry about our mission. Uh, the number one thing that I do, okay, so I'm a parish employee, and so I give talks, but this applies if you're meeting a stranger. This applies if you are, you know, someone wants you to go talk to their friend or you're about to give a talk or, or a homily or whatever. Before I talk, I sit down, and I've said this before, Lord, I do not know these people, if they're, you know, whatever. Um, your mileage may vary. Lord, I don't know these people, but you know these people, and I know you, and I love you. 
Lord, you love me and you love these people. So I need you, Lord Jesus, to give me your love for them, that I may say what you want them to hear. Then I pray for their conversion, Lord. I need you, Lord, to let me share in your love for them because I don't know them. I might leave and never see this person again. Help me to do and say all that you want me to say out of love for you. That small behind the stage, welcome our new speaker, Michael Gormley. I'm praying it as I'm walking out, like whatever. Like it is not flowery, but it is specific. I cannot do this without God's love proceeding. powerful prayer. All right, number two. This is mine, and it's a honestly, it's a book that that has really changed apostolate for me. And I found it about uh, probably nine years ago, and have been doing it every day. It's a daily devotional, and it's called Divine Intimacy. Okay, Divine Intimacy. It's it's by Father Gabriel of Saint Mary Magdalene. He's a Carmelite, and it is a difficult daily devotional. Okay, it's not easy. Uh, it's pretty intense. But it is a daily devotional that just it. I mean, it proclaims the universal call to holiness, and uh, it really has been. It has served to call me on continually from whatever plateau I'm at or whatever you know level I think I am. That I, I in this book I can see an ideal of living the life of Christ that I I I am not yet to attain this side of the grave, but I will try my hardest. Mm. What is the name of that book again? Divine intimacy, divine intimacy. Bam. Uh, my third thing for everyone is involving the Blessed Virgin Mary in your ministry. Ooh. Uh, me and Dave, I know, pray this prayer because we've talked about it before, um, but the Memorare is my go-to for dangerous situations, for extreme situations, for situations that I, humanly, I have no hope about. I hand it into mother's hands, and I ask Mary to take it. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known. What a beautiful and powerful prayer. So memorares fly off my lips like crazy. Number four. So one of the things that since I've had my conversion, I have worn a plain wooden cross since that very first day. And well, no, not since that very first day, but within months, I started wearing this plain wooden cross. It's not a crucifix, it's a cross. And I didn't plan it to be this in the beginning, but uh, people began to like kind of like not criticize, but they'd bring up, they'd say, why do you wear a cross and not a crucifix? You know, that seems so Protestant. Why don't you wear like a Catholic crucifix? And the truth is now when I put that cross on and I, and I, I reflect on the fact that Jesus is not on that cross, like there's no corpus on that cross. And when I put that cross on my head, I look at it and I say, this is my cross and I'm supposed to be the one dying on it that that's my job is to die on this cross for the salvation of the world for to to co-redeem with Jesus Christ right to to do my part in the saving of souls that this cross this little tiny cross represents the cross that I'm to die on wow that's awesome that's uh saint jose maria escrivá he said as a catholic whenever you see a crucifix salute it and thank our savior for dying for you and whenever you see a cross without the corpus say, thank you, Jesus, for reminding me to carry my own cross. That's awesome, man. Um, lastly, take five. Uh, this is the fifth one. Saying, this is going to sound so ridiculous, saying the name of Jesus oh, yeah. out loud oh, yeah. and getting the people you are teaching, preaching, having a conversation with, getting them to say his name in a reverent way. I mean, there's a reason why we proclaim the name of Jesus. There's a reason why exorcists 
use the name of Jesus because it literally is our salvation. God saves. And so to invoke his holy name brings his holy presence. And so I remember one time I was teaching an RCA class, and they and I said this before, they wouldn't say the name of Jesus out loud. And I said, I just, I'm literally going to count to three, and I just want you to say Jesus. Like, just say it. And they wouldn't do it for like maybe four or five minutes. I made it really awkward. No matter what I did, they wouldn't say it. And I said, I don't think any of you should become Catholic. Right. Like, you can't even say his name. And they were like, uh, 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 well, it's like awkward. And I'm like, yeah, you're not even confessing confessing Jesus right. in front of a, right. a fellow Jesus follower, let alone before his enemies. So the name of Jesus, you lead with it, you say it out loud. Uh, you know, whatever, whatever the context, there is so much power in the name of Jesus. The first prayer I teach my kids is to say his name. And uh, I really do. I think it's so powerful. Yeah, that's amazing. This has been an awesome episode. If you ask me, I thought this was great, this episode. I, I loved talking about this. Um, of every knee shall bow. You're welcome, America. <laughs> this has been Every Knee Shall Bow. My name is Dave Van Bickle, joined by my co-host. I'm going to try it here. Michael, gotta love me Gormley. Yes, please love me. I have no self-esteem. I'm a millennial, a narcissist, but with no self-esteem. Help me. Come back. Come back next week. We love you all. God bless you.